Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host, Lumos, as always, Adela Marcy. And I keep telling you guys, season four is the Legends Tour. And we're so close to ending the Legends Tour. I'm so pleased to say that the last show this year is uh, something that I've been saving for a while. And I can't wait uh, to reveal it. But until then, as I said, the ball's going to keep rolling. We're going to keep getting great people in. And today is no different. I have my friend... Amy, I'm going to murder her surname. I know I am because I just, oh, we were talking about this before. Stephanic or Stephanic? Stephanic. Um, Stephanic, yes. thank you. Um, on the show. And she's just going to be like here chilling out as always. But real quick shout out to our sponsors on the show. Uh, if you guys go over to, at, we're sponsored for this episode by AdelMarcy.com. Go there, sign up to the blog, um, look at all the new nerdy stuff that we're doing. I basically nerded out my entire site because we destroyed it, we rebuilt it. By the time the show comes out, it'll be all done dusted the way that represents me the best. Um, also, today we're sponsored by Story Selling Emails, where I'll be teaching you how to write emails and all the other fun stuff as well, because, hey, I'll take the Pepsi Challenge against anyone, because that's what I do. And finally, today we're sponsored by our biggest sponsor, which is TheEntrepreneursWife.com. Um, that's Amy's site. You can find out more about her. I've been looking at her site recently a lot, and of course, because I'm on the newsletter, so I get a lot of emails as well. And I have no idea why there are seagulls in the middle of London. This is like the strangest <laughs> day ever. But hey, let's hope that the recording doesn't pick up on them too much. Amy, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Um, yeah, sorry. I did, uh, well, I don't want to give guys too much of an introduction to you. But just so everyone listening knows, Amy has uh, Amy and her partner, Matt, have been together for... They've been married for 13 years, but they've been in business for how long now? How long have you guys Six, been? 16 years. Wow. So you guys have been in business longer than you guys have been married. So this is basically your first baby. And yeah. it's incredible because you guys work as such a cohesive team. It's it's remarkable, incredible, and inspirational all at once. So my first question is, how did you, A, how did you guys meet? Uh, we actually met through mutual friends. We, um, somebody, a couple that lived across the street from me in my first apartment grew up with Matt. And so, um, in Canton, Ohio. And so he was like, Hey, I have this guy I want you to meet. And I was like, no, thank you. Because I didn't, I wasn't wanting to meet anybody, but you know, they made the introduction and you know, we just became really good friends and we've been together ever since. Wow. That's really incredible. So it was very much like a whole meet you as in you guys were set up and then eventually it was like, yeah, no, totally. It's the thing. And yeah. You guys are together. So I'm curious about one thing more uh, about the entrepreneur's wife as, as, as a site, because hey, I do love the way it's designed, but what compelled you to actually build it? Because if I'm not mistaken, it's a fairly new project. Yeah, it's been about four years. Um, you know, Matt and I have been through a lot together over 16 years. You know, we first started in, um, you know, together, he was getting into real estate. He was just starting his entrepreneur journey, um, like really stepping out. And I didn't really know what entrepreneurship was. I mean, I've heard of the word, of course, but I didn't really know anybody that was an entrepreneur. My dad worked. My mom stayed home and raised kids. So when I met him and he was talking about this venture, I was like, wow, you know, that's super interesting. And then when he we kind of jumped in it together, um, me being, you know, supportive and him like really diving into flipping houses and stuff. And we would drive around and look at vacant houses. And, um, I, I really saw that you could really make your own money without having to work for somebody. But then the real estate market crashed and we lost everything, three houses, two cars. And that's a huge dip, not only financially, but also to your ego. Um, and so, 
Yeah, absolutely. And and we had, you know, two kids at the time of the crash, the market crash. And so it was a big blow to us. Um, and what happened was that instead of because we were so young and, you, you know, all the self-growth stuff hadn't happened yet, really, we just kept moving. We like fell, got up, brushed ourselves off. We didn't deal with what had happened. We just kept moving. And so for me, I just kept running behind him. I'm like, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. And what happened was when we rebuilt everything and he got into the internet marketing space and I went to work for corporate America because I was like, I really got like kind of stunned with the, with the, the fall and I wanted security. We, and we really started climbing back up that mountain and we became financially secure again and was thriving and doing really well. We, I was being triggered by things that happened that I thought was happening today, but they were actually from my falls in the past, you know, on our journey. And so when I started going to events with Matt and speaking to other entrepreneurs, they were like, you have to talk to my wife. She doesn't understand if she could only talk to someone that understood that this is normal, then it would make it better. And I was hearing that story over and over and over again. And Matt Matt and I had just come off of a three-month separation. And so I was like, you know, there's got to be something out there for the entrepreneur's wife, right? Surely there's magazines, there's books, there's quotes, there's all this stuff for entrepreneurs. Is there anything out there for the wife? Because we're running this race too, but there wasn't anything. And so I started the entrepreneur's wife in a selfish form is because it's something that I always needed because I always felt like no one understood what I was going through and the people that I was trying to tap into didn't get our journey. And so I started it because it was something that I felt was needed or at least I needed and it's just kind of grown from there. See, that's incredible because that is a market, not so much talk as a market, but that's that's a group of people that aren't spoken to very often. It, it's mm-hmm. usually not even just the wives, but it's the spouses in general because um, right. I know my own dating history, the people I've dated, it's been very, very difficult for them to put up with me because um, there are times where they see me at my highs uh, and it's like, wow, Adel's really energetic. He's inspired. He's ready to go. But when they see me take a three-month loss or mm-hmm. take a client, because I take my client work very, very seriously to the point where um, I think I've delayed, a, I've delayed a client's work by three months um, because I wasn't comfortable showing them what I'd done, and they they got really mad at me. But then, yeah, <laughs> when I t- when I talked because they knew me because I was like, look, you know how good I am. They're like, yeah, I know. I just wish that we got it done in time. I was like, well, I'll tell you what, let me make it up for you. Let's just run this damn ad and let's see what comes of it. Um, At the time that we ran the ad, it it was the worst timing possible because it was during the summer. Uh, And you know what they tell you, don't do a launch in the middle of the summer because it won't won't work as well. Still generated seven figures off that launch. Um, Nice. And the the only reason was because, you know, I've spent so much of my life writing copy and ads and looking at the psychology of things that I knew what trigger points had to feel right. But during that same time, my partner had to put up with me staying up till four or five in the morning, trying to think think of things, tossing and turning at night, not being consistent with my thought processes, not eating for days on end because I'm like stressed out and anxious trying to get this right. Right. And again, it's, it's one of those things where now I know your site exists a lot more now we've got you on the show. I know for a fact I'm going to be introducing that to anyone that I did ahead of time, being like, oh, you, you, you definitely want to take this seriously. Okay, go yeah. read my friend Amy's site, and if you can yeah. say okay to that, then this could be a thing. If not, please please don't. I think you're awesome, yeah. but it's not going to fly. 
So my curiosity is, um, what's one of been what's been one of the biggest takeaways for you when it comes to being not just an entrepreneur's wife, but just an entrepreneur yourself? I think the biggest takeaway, the transition from entrepreneur's wife to entrepreneur, was a huge like aha moment for me, I guess, um, because all of the things that I would get so upset about, like constantly on your phone, constantly being like tapped in, always having to, you know, be conscious of people reaching out to you. I was now in that seat. And so Matt would be like, you know, look, you know, the shoes on the other foot now, look at you, you know, you're going to be on your phone all night and those type of things. So that transition has been one that is very interesting. But, you know, for me, I think that um, one of the biggest takeaways is that, Personally, for so long, I was so concerned about, you know, Matt paying attention, being present, like all of the things that I hear from all the other entrepreneurs' wives when they first reach out to me. You know, I feel like a single mom. He's always on his phone. He works 80 hours a week. Like, I'm, but what I learned was that if you stop focusing on what you're lacking and just focusing on building your own strength and your own security and being good standing alone, even though you're in a partnership, you have to be like, I'm secure enough to say, okay, he's going to be in his office all day. I'm going to go do something that fills me up. I'm going to go do something I love because then when he comes out of his office, you're not like hands on hip saying about damn time. You're like, oh, great. I'm so good. Now let's hang out. Let's do something. And you're in a, a higher state of consciousness. You're happier. And it's just, it just feels better. And it, it bodes for a better relationship for sure. So essentially it's a switch in perspective because what you're essentially doing is looking at, instead of kind of being expectant on the negatives, which is like, oh, they're not paying attention to me. It's now becoming more of, um, I'm, I've got my own free time. I can do whatever the hell I want. And now I get to right. hang out with my friend and date my, my partner more than anything because... Personally speaking, I mean, you would know this because you've been obviously married for a lot longer than I have, and I've never been married. I've only got engaged once, and that was it. Um, the thing I found, uh, at least the way for my analysis of other people's relationships that break down, are uh, they stop dating. And that's something I really admire about you, that you even put on your website that you enjoy dating your husband. Mm -hmm. um, and very few people do that. So as you are a family, as you are both entrepreneurs, because um, you have kids and everything, what is it about, what is it that you guys do that allows you to have that date time? Because a lot of people, they're together, but they don't, they, they can't make that time. They don't know what to do in their dates. So yeah. curious, what, what would your suggestions be? Well, we do. I mean, Matt and I do a weekly date night. Every Friday we go out on a date, we get dressed up, we go out to dinner, we do like different things. Um, and for us, that's super important. But the main thing is, and the thing that I see a lot of people, relationships get tripped up on is that because they have a family, they kind of use that as an excuse. And so Matt and I always say, we come first, even before the kids. If we're not okay, then our family unit's not okay. And if we're not okay, it's hard to focus on our business uh, because you're always worried about like, you know, why is he mad? Is he upset? So we try to keep like that part of our relationship super strong and us doing stuff together. I mean, we travel a lot together. You know, we, we make it a point that every Friday we're going out. Everybody knows it. Everybody in our family knows mom and dad are going to go out on Friday night. And it's just, it's a priority. You make what's important to you a priority and that's important to us. What's really fascinating about that is that my, uh, two of my other friends, I'm sure you know them, Alex and uh, Katie Sh uh, Schaffin. Mm -hmm. uh, I love those guys. Alex said something to me, and I think he said it on this podcast as well a really long time ago uh, when we had him on. It was, if I'm not mistaken, 
he puts his wife before everyone else and she puts him before everyone else because it, it's it because they have two daughters it's like mm-hmm. it, again if they had a son as well whatever it was it would be the same lesson it's like for the daughters it's like this is how a man should treat his wife and yeah. for them for their perspective it's like this is how a wife treats her husband as in the sense of like you guys respect each other because then it's it's creating like a blueprint for them to realize what is a priority um, right and that's really powerful now, something I do want to touch upon, if it's not too much of an issue, if it is, just let me know. It's kind of this idea that you mentioned earlier, where you guys went through like a three-month separation. And mm-hmm. I've spoken to a few other entrepreneurs that have gone through like huge separations in time, like my very good friend, Tony Grebmeyer, he, he mm-hmm. went through this himself. Um, what was it that brought you back together? Because I know so many entrepreneurs, I know so many men that once, and even women, once they're separated, whether in a relationship, whether they're married, whatever it is, it's kind of like, that's it, we're done. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to work through it. So what was it yeah. that brought you guys back together? Like, if that's okay to ask. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, Matt and I, when we separated, we had just gotten to a point where we weren't communicating. We were letting a lot of the cracks that had been in our foundation grow and our egos were showing up before anything else. And so when we separated, it was it was mutual. We were just like, you know, kind of like, I'm done, I'm done fighting, I'm done with all of this. But, you know, not to get like religious or anything, but what brought us back together was, you know, God's intervention. I mean, we just, uh, at first we were done. We were like, I'm done, you know, this is it. And then slowly things just started happening that you couldn't deny. Um, things that, uh, you know, were just so, like magnets, like we were being pulled back together and we decided to uh, to lay everything down, you know, lay our egos down, lay the hurt down and really just trying to focus on each other. Um, you know, we have three kids. It's very important for us. We've always been a, a tight family. We just didn't heal and we didn't communicate. And there were so many things that we were doing incorrectly for us. Um, and it was just about saying, you know what? I, I, I choose you, you know, because I don't, I don't believe in like soulmates or anything like that. I think that there's, you know, you could be compatible with many different people. Um, but I believe that who you are with is who you choose. And we just chose each other and we chose to make it work. See, that's awesome. I love the fact that you guys kind of pulled that back together. But more importantly, I do agree with you that I don't believe there are soulmates, but what I do believe is there are people that are right for you. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's, I was talking, I remember like when I used to write for the dating industry like a decade ago, uh, one of the things to help men overcome abundance mentality and scarcity mentality was to say, the girl of your dreams, you're like, oh, she's the only one. Well, guess what, buddy? On the law of averages, there's like 3,250 people that are completely compatible with you at right. the lower scale, like on a 0.01 scale or 0.1 scale. There's like 3,000 people. Yeah. I don't know if anyone's ever done this, but try speaking to 100 people in a day and have a meaningful conversation with them. That will literally take you about a week to get through because even 10 minutes a day will drain you, even if you're an yeah. expert. So that's one about the abundance thing. But to be drawn back to someone like you and Matt were is special in its own right because you, it feels like the you can call it God, the universe, whatever it is. It puts you in the same room as the people that you're supposed to be with and vibe with, in my opinion. Right. Um, and it's also like my crazy ass wacky ideas on like predestined destiny and shit like that, which we'll yeah. talk about later if you want. <laughs> it's just <laughs> yeah, a lot absolutely. This is a wacky idea that I have in no. mind. Um, but one thing I did want to ask was when you came down to write, because you've written a book as well, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So how, 
so I'm I'm a writer, but I have dyslexia. And this is like the humorous part of my brain is I can't sit down to write a book because if I do, I get bored and want to delete it. Mm -hmm. What did you do? Because I know so many people have this. What was the actual process for you to write your book? Like, did you go somewhere or did you just sit down and go? No, I think when I, when Matt and I got back together writing, I never wrote before that. I mean, I never had really a desire to write, but it became very cathartic for me. And so writing about my life experiences, just the really dark places, the dusty corners, all the stuff that you just need to like throw up on paper. That's basically what I was doing. And then I started turning them into blog posts. And so my book really is just a, an accumulation of all my blog posts and just elaborating, elaborating on that. Um, and, you know, it was just something that I was doing to kind of heal a place in me to like get all of it out because I had a lot of stuck energy, a lot of things that I needed to like let go. And so by doing that and I was started putting a little bit of it out there and the response that I got was very overwhelming. So I'm like, OK, I'm going to put a little bit more. And I started like then everything that I would write, I would just put into my blog and um it then when I decided to write a book the content was there um and I it was just a, an accumulation and then the latter part of the book is just you know the lessons that I've taken away from all these like trips and falls that I've, I've had I call it a tool belt you know entrepreneur's wife needs a tool belt and you know there's different tools that you pull out for different situations and so that's basically what it is it's just you know gathering your tools that's pretty cool I love that that's that's really really true cool statement so I'm right and something that I do want to ask is Whenever people write, what? how did you actually get that initial traction of traffic? Because I know so many people have, they have that lightning in a, a flash in a pan kind of thing happen where it's mm -hmm. like, oh, I wrote a great post and everyone loved it and shared it and then bam, bam, bam. And I have other people that have read their work. I'm like, your work is so insane. Why is no one talking about this? Yeah. So I'm curious, what was it that actually got that initial spark going for you? For me, I mean, I had a Facebook page and um, for the entrepreneur's wife, and I just started with, of course, the help of Matt, who is like a marketing genius, started like like targeting on like entrepreneurs and um, people that are like married that that have the same interests and all the things that Facebook's great at. And it just kind of grew from there. I mean, um, going to events, we go to a ton of events uh, outside of like the marketing events. We go to like Sean Stevenson's event was one of the first like really ones that this uh, project took roots with uh, with Brad. Actually, Brad has been held me very accountable through <laughs> through this process. But um, it you know, it's about word, you know, just being able to say this is what I do. And I think networking is like the best way to grow this because when I go to events and I tell people, they're like, oh my gosh, because it is something that no one's talking about. It is something that it has a, a deep feeling to it because entrepreneurs that are married know the struggle. You know, they know that this is very difficult to be torn between wanting to grow an empire and wanting to have a marriage, like wanting a good marriage. And you can have both. It just takes, you know, uh, some creative work. And so, you know, when I go to events and they're like, they put me in contact with their wives and it just grows and grows. And so it's um, it's just one of those things where I, I always joke and say it has a life of its own. Um, even if I just stood still, it would still propel forward. It's just um, it's a blessing in that sense. That's great. And just kind of like backtracking a little bit for here. The whole idea of networking is so powerful because that's how I've actually built up a lot of the things I do almost immediately. Like my entire business for a very long time ran on just referrals. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you 
you do one thing good and then everyone jumps on board and kind of like, yeah, we totally promote that. And then you get access to more people. Um, and something I want to ask you, particularly when it comes down to the mindset that you're actually in, what is it? Actually, how do you actually deal with this? Because when you hit a moment of stagnation, when you're like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. What is it that like Amy does that brings her back? Like, what's the ritual? Um, well, I mean, for a while I was getting to that place because it seemed so big that I was feeling a little overwhelmed by the entire project. Um, and you got to think I have the people that reach out to me are on the verge of divorce. They're in a really bad place. So it's not like people are coming to me like, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. They're like hurting. And so. For me, I'm an empath and I feel people's emotions. So it was really like pulling me down. And I'm like, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can do this. And so I really started focusing on meditation, um, running. I started to, uh, you know, visualize and do all the woo-woo things that, that I um, absolutely adore. And it really, when I start to feel myself getting stuck or when I start to feel myself feeling like, you know, I'm not sure if I can do this. I reconnect with what my purpose is. And I stopped saying, how do I feel about this? And know that it's not me driven, it's people driven, and I'm not doing it for myself. And so I just kind of like get out of my way and stop being selfish. I love it when you do when people do stuff like that, because it is true how much we get in our own way. Um, and I, I really I'm not a fan of the time woo anymore. I used to always make fun. Yeah. Of it, but like, the th thing is, it's it's almost derogatory in some senses. I'm not one of those people that's sensitive about wordplay and whatever it is. If, if yeah. anyone ever has, if anyone meets me for more than five minutes, I'm, I would hope after listening to a couple of episodes of the show, they'd realize like, oh no, Adam has no filter. Like he doesn't know when to stop. <laughs> I really don't. Like I'm four shades of brown. Let's put it that yeah. way. Like I, yeah. I'm like mixed race and all four of them are brown. So I'm like, there is no way in hell I'm going through TSA. I've got to get that three hours out. I will make those jokes. <laughs> but... When someone says like a term like woo-woo or self-development in such a derogatory manner or in a way that's actually harmful, I have to take a stand to it just simply because a lot of it does work. And if you yeah. look at if you look at what is modern day woo-woo, um, and I say this as someone that studied a lot about different religions and cultures and backgrounds and histories because I'm that kind of nerd, um, you'll realize that it all comes across throughout all the religious ceremonies. Like if you yeah. look at all the Abrahamic religions, that's Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, they actually all say the more that having that attitude of gratitude actually increases, but it's used in different ways. Like yeah. in Christianity, it says, um, Jesus says, if I, if I remember correctly, I'm paraphrasing like crazy someone, please correct me, um, that Jesus will help those that help themselves. Yeah, and absolutely. And all that means is become grateful for the actions that you're taking forward and let right. them come to you. Um, the Quakers have an amazing thought process, which is when they have this favorite saying, which I love, I had from Randy Gage, which was um, when you pray, when they pray, you move your feet. Mm, yeah, th that is such a powerful, that's powerful. Like, yeah, way of thinking things. So I would actually have to ask you, what would be a good recommendation of a book that isn't yours? Because I'd recommend your book anyway, but like mm -hmm. as an outside book that really impacted you, what, mm -hmm. what book would that be? Like a self-development book that did that for you? The Anatomy of a Calling changed my life. Um, it was one of those um, books that really op me, opened me up into this place because my journey that I'm going through right now is my spirituality journey of 
um, feeling like letting go of old beliefs that aren't serving me anymore and really getting in touch of in touch with who I am um, on the spiritual side and knowing that I am connected to a, uh, a place where um, you know has a lot to do with you know being grounded to the earth and animals and things like that and so reading the anatomy of a calling opened me up to a place where I was like, it, it kind of sparked something in me. And anybody that, that reads books that gets inspired by books knows that feeling where you're like, I'm never going to be the same after finishing this book. That book was it for me. That's incredible. I'm yeah. going to go pick that book up now because I love, um, just love the way it is. Just one more time. The anatomy of anatomy of a calling. Um, anatomy it's of a calling. Got it. Yeah. It's it. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful book for sure. I'm going to quickly look this book up right now. So I have it. Anatomy of a calling. My friends are actually going to get really mad at me, by the way. Just and mad at you by by example, because um, <laughs> I have, I think I've documented over 400 books in my apartment alone. I'm getting rid of a lot of them. So yeah, I'm, like, yeah, I'm getting rid of books. I'm going to buy another one now. <laughs> and my friend's like, seriously, Adel? I'm like, yes, shut up. It's all That's good. That's funny. Yeah, it is, it is good. Um, okay, so I'm going to... I did want to ask this entire thing. So like going back to this whole thought process of how you actually run your businesses and stuff like that. Are you one of those people that has a very organized chart and process of how you do things? Or are you just very much like I'll shoot from the hip and it'll still work? Um, I tend to be on the very organized side just because uh, I have a controlling personality. And so my life is so chaotic being, um, you know, being an entrepreneur's wife with Matt's businesses and everything we do, all the travel, three kids. My life is chaotic. I can't control much in my life and I've had to let that go, but I can control what I can control. And that's my schedule, my time, what I'm doing when I'm doing it. And when I feel out of control and stuck is usually when I'm not in control of my schedule. And so um, I'm very good at putting everything in their boxes and trying to be as organized as possible to the uh, detriment sometime of the people around me. <laughs> See, I love uh, that. That does make me smile because like so few people actually have that um, thought process as in how considerate they are of other people's time and how they actually manage their own time. Um, I know I've been guilty of it. And I know so many entrepreneurs that have actually been on the show that are guilty of it where they're very much like, yeah, I'll just do it whenever I want. Yeah. Um, but because my 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 base personality for believing the Myers-Briggs uh, thing is I'm actually chaos a lot more. Mm -hmm. um, even though I have a very controlling, dominant force of self, um, I am chaos. Meaning I'm one of those people who will get things done in four hours. And it's like, why didn't I do this two weeks ago? It's like, oh, because you wouldn't right. have been able to. Like if you tried, right. you would have failed miserably. Right. So it's all like it has to be done in a certain manner. I think uh, Gary Halbert is very similar to this, um, was very similar to this in the way that he actually got everything done right at the last minute, but it was always pure gold that he just right. came out with. Um, and something I did want to ask in particularly when it came down to actually figuring out your own journey and what you want to do, uh, what was the process for you? Because I'm, again, as I've mentioned in previous shows that people would have heard, by the time the show comes out, it should be it should be taken care of. It's figuring out what I want to do next. I mean, mm. have you ever come across that thing where you're like, I've done this one thing for so long, but I want to do something different, but I don't know what yet? Have you ever heard yeah. that? Okay, and how did yeah. you deal with it? I'm actually going through that a little bit now. I think okay. that, um, you know, everything is, is 
is evolving, right? Everything shifts and change. You think you're going down one road and you got this down and all of a sudden it's like, boom, you're going in a different direction. And now you're super uncomfortable because you're right back into that place of trying to figure things out. And so, you know, I try to be open um, because when I fight it, that's when I find that I am, um, I'm working out of different different uh, reasons, out of fear, out of the desire for things that aren't um, aligned with what where I'm going. And so um, I try to uh, to just be open and kind of listen. And because I am on the spiritual journey, um, I try to be open, like when I meditate and when I'm running or when I'm doing things where I can be silent to listen to those cues of what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, because for me, for so long with the entrepreneur's wife, and the pro the project that I'm working on, it was about being the best wife you can be for him and the struggles that he's going through and what it's like to be an entrepreneur and helping her understand and kind of give the entrepreneurs a voice through a wife of an entrepreneur. But it's kind of shifting into standing on your own two feet and not leaning in so much to what he's doing and the chaos that's surrounding him and kind of owning your own story and finding your own strength. And so my my vision is shifting and the uh, the path of this entrepreneur's wife is shifting. And so I'm actually dealing with that right now and I'm trying to be um, really open. And we, we spent a, a month in um, Estonia for Mind Valley over the summer. I don't know if you know what Mind Valley is. Um, I do, I actually okay. had the co-founder on the show yesterday. Oh, um, awesome! So uh, Ajit um, uh, Noelka, I don't know if you know him. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. I just had him on the show yesterday. Um, awesome. So great dude. I love that guy. He's, he's yeah. Great. He actually had me silent most of the show. I was like, God damn, I completely stunned him. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's great. But so when I went there and I got to really um, when the great thing that happens when you're around a lot of people that are kind of in the same mindset that you're in, it allows you to kind of lay down the walls that you put up around you to protect you. And I got to just be free and be this person that I so desired. And people would come to me and give me um, wisdom and things that they saw for me. And so it was all aligned with the direction that I'm going, which helped me, uh, kind of open up to this place and, you know, the, the shift that's happening with the entrepreneur's wife, but you know, you have to be open to the shift. And sometimes that takes just, you know, being quiet and centering yourself and being open. For sure. Sorry. I was just trying to figure out what the lights also would be best. Cause I'm actually starting to go really, really dark on this side. It's, it's okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the joys of living in England is that at this time, like give it two, two months ago, it wouldn't get dark until about 10, 10, 30 in the evening. It's eight thirty yeah. in the afternoon, in the evening right now. And it's like, Oh, it's almost dusk. Enjoy, yeah, the, enjoy yeah. the darkness of it all. Um, but what I was getting at as well was that's such a powerful shift and self-development actually does do a lot of that work for you. But it's being, as you said, it's being around the right peers at the right time and allowing yourself to drop that guard. And one of the things that I have, uh, that I'm working on personally is this ideal of not being, I don't, I'm going to sound like such a prick when I say this. Oh, well, fuck it. I'll say it anyway. It's, okay. uh, it's, <laughs> it's, um, a lot of the times I have a hard time being in the room where I'm not seen as one of the smarter ones in the room. Um, not because I don't know what I'm doing or whatever it is, but I've been, I've been in business. I've been like, I've been writing direct response ads since I was 12. I've gone pro at 18. I'm 29 in just over a month. Um, I've done this every single day. I have a ridiculously high track record, but more importantly, it's, uh, the cognitive intelligence side of my brain, um, is ranked quite highly. So it's always mm -hmm. one of those things where when I meet someone, I try and go in with an open mind, like, Hey, this person knows more than you. You need to actually really pay attention. 
But unfortunately, my brain does sometimes fall into the trap where it's kind of like, yeah, you might know more than I do, and that's all fine and well, but the advice you're giving me is advice I've already thought through, gone through, done, tested, theorized, and it's seen that it doesn't work. So I need something yeah. on a higher level. So when I'm around uh, certain individuals um, that I respect, I can kind of drop that guard, like Tony Grebmeyer, Brad Costanza, or like two mm-hmm. people, Bob Selling, Kurt Malley. All these people yeah. are great guys. Uh, and a lot of female entrepreneurs, like my friend Laura Phillips and Delora uh, Guignard. I, I can't say Guignard. I can't say his name. It's just, it's Canadian. <laughs> um, and hopefully even you yourself, I can add to this list where I can just be so vulnerable. I'm like, oh, how are you? Uh, like my old response whenever I was going through bad things, was like I'm good. Now mm-hmm. my response is, uh, I'm okay. Well, I'm uh, if I'm not being honest, I'm like I'm good. But on other areas, I'm doing not so good. I need a little bit of help. Can you can you yeah. spend a couple of minutes talking to me? And it's incredible when you make that shift of vulnerability, mm-hmm. how much the world opens up around you. Yeah, um, because people want to help, and yeah, allowing them to help also is just good karma. It is, and the thing is, you know, once you get to that place where you allow yourself to be vulnerable, it allows other people to be vulnerable with you, and it, you, you know, you can create really solid connections that way. You know, I, I, I joke and say a lot of the events that we go to is just a cock comparing event where everybody's just like, you know, saying I did this and I did this, and it's, it's like a once contest. you, it is, it is, and it, but once you break that down and you really have a solid connection with someone where you're like, you know. I'm really struggling with this. Like, how did you, how did you get past this? And you can not try to be like, you know, mine's bigger than yours. And you can really be like, I, this is where I'm struggling. Those friendships are so good and they carry for so long. It's, it's an amazing thing. I love seeing it. I love being a part of it. Oh yeah, definitely. It's one of those things when you actually, it's, it's the old thing. Um, it's funny she mentioned this because I had a very special friend of mine a couple of weeks ago. I wrote this post about how like sometimes I just want to give up and I don't want to mm-hmm. do anything. I don't want to get out of bed and I hate myself because of it, but I'm still working through all these issues. Right. Um, someone posts, so two people messaged me, a woman I was very interested in, uh, and I thought we had something going on, but we didn't. She messaged me going, oh, you know, that I really care about you, but don't ever post about stuff like that because it weakens your positioning in the marketplace and clients are not going to want to work with you. That uh. was one. Five minutes later, I had another message from someone I really respect. I've known him for near enough 10 years. Um, and he wrote back saying, I just want to tell you that I love you. And more importantly, thank you for doing the work that you're doing. Because by you being out there, I physically cannot do this because it's very hard for my masculinity to actually showcase this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but because we got into like a really deep conversation about it, it goes, it's very hard for me to be this vulnerable. So to mm-hmm. see you do it, it's almost like I'm vicariously becoming cathartic through you. And I was yeah. like, I can't slow down now. I can't get to that yeah. point where I'm like, I'm vulnerable, but I can't put that wall of armor back up and be like, right. I'm not. Um, and it helps because like one of my special skills is, as I'm going to ask you about this as well, what one of your special skills are. One of them is I can determine um, people's problems very quickly and solve them within about five or six minutes. Um, nice. Usually 15 at the very, very max, especially if it's a business problem, 15 minutes is all I need. Um, which sounds unbelievable, but you'd be surprised exactly what you can fit into a 15 minute phone call if you know what you're doing. But, um, that sounded, that sounded odd as all hell, but Hey, we'll just keep rolling with punches. (laughs) Um, so because of that superpower, it allows me to like live through that vulnerability and allow people in and say, Hey, listen, you might be going through a tough time right now, but I can help you with this. Let's just get on a call. I don't care about the money. Just work with me because I know this will come back in a karmic way. Right. So. 
In that long ass ramble, my question to you is, what is your superpower and how do you apply it to everyday life in yourself, but also for the community that you serve? I think for me, my superpower is seeing through the BS. Um, I think a lot of times, especially when you're struggling with stuff, you put a really big wall of BS in front of you because you don't want to seem like you don't know what you're doing. You don't want to seem like you don't have your life together. And so I'm very good at seeing through that and calling people on it in a very loving, nurturing way. I call myself a nurturing entrepreneur because I... Um, I can I can talk to someone and break that down without seeming like I'm calling them out in an ugly way. And I never do it in front of people, of course, but um, that's my superpower. I break it down and allow them to just say, and usually when I do, it's a huge Excel, like literally a, a physical, like, you know, how did you know? Like what, like, how did you know that? That's, it's something that I've been blessed with. Um, it's something that I've honed because at first, you know, being an empath, you feel things um, a lot. Much deeper much deeper and it's um i always i never understood like why i would feel that way i'm i'm also an introvert um i'm a functioning introvert i pretend like i'm an extrovert but i'm not and so um it was it was a battle but then i realized if i could just uh create this superpower around this and really like tap into people um and how they're really feeling and kind of break that down then um it would it would be helpful and so that's what i did that's incredible. And something you mentioned a couple of times is, yeah, is is being an empath. And for those that are just like, oh, what does it mean to be an empath? You just feel things at a much deeper level. And you don't, the nice way of putting it is you don't accidentally stumble upon it. It's something that you've always known, <laughs> but it comes out. And the reason I'm, I'm clarifying this is a friend of mine sent me a YouTube video a couple of days ago. And it was like, I was watching it and the person just goes, oh, and I discovered I'm an empath. I'm like, you don't discover it. You, you just know. Yeah. But then when it's explained to you, like, oh, this makes way more sense. It's not so yeah. much a discovery as it is a realization. Right. When you realize that you're an empath, that's a whole different ballgame. When you discover it, I'm like, I think you yeah. just feel deeper than most, but you haven't broken through when, when you know, you know. Right. Because um, you're kind of born with it. I sound like a petty dick when I say that, but honestly. No, it's the uh, truth. Def it's, it is. Definitions are like huge to me. If someone doesn't define something, my brain goes, <laughs> what is wrong with you? Why are you not defining this? This, 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 makes my, this makes me like very, very wary of anything that you're doing now. Um, <laughs> so with that being said, one of the, uh, so I do want to touch upon this because I know I will get questions about it. So if it's okay with you, it's the whole yeah. idea of predestined fate. Yeah. Um, now I have this weird theory and I and I the only reason I brought it back up again is because I don't want someone to mess with me going, What did you mean by this? I was like I promise I'll expand on it, so here it is. Uh, very simply, I believe that you show up in every life situation. Like there is a you were born and there is a death point, there's a point that you will die. That's factual that everything in the universe dies. Um but how you die and how you get there is determined by this quote unquote predestined fate thing. And the way I look at it is there are moments meant to happen. There are people that you're meant to meet. There are things that are meant to go on. But how you arrive there and how you leave that moment is entirely within your free will and control. Mm -hmm. So I believe there are five ways that you can approach anything. There's complete certain death and absolute killing everything around you and burning bridges. There's a higher form of hating everyone but still kind of, you know, being okay. There's neutral, not very active. There's active and then there's hyperactive and completely going balls to the wall being great about it. So you have like from worst to best and each situation right. you can either approach as neutral. So if you approached, say approach this conversation that we have in this podcast in a very neutral manner, when I left, I'd still be in neutral, 
But the next situation I go to, the next moment I, I come across that's destined for me to happen, I'm still going to be playing from a neutral field. So I can either choose to go up or down. Mm. Whereas if I if I if this was like a level five kill everything, hate everyone, want to destroy this podcast, worst interview that you could have ever hoped to have, um, or not even hoped, but like what cursed or you know what it was right. chance with. <laughs> the next time I do anything that has that moment that I was supposed to have anyway, I've come from such a negative space that I don't recognize the opportunity of what I'm getting, and I mm. will most likely continue down that path. And same goes if I went to the other side where this is the greatest interview you've ever had. The next step is I go to the next moment. The next moment I'm at this higher playing field where instead of you saying Adela Marcy's interview was completely shit, it wasn't great, or eh, it was good, it wasn't that great, to it was absolutely phenomenal. I want everyone to listen to this. It's a hidden gem amongst the business world. Yeah. If it's if it's those three, if it's like one of those ranges between uh, terrible, okay, and great, um, I believe every situation you follow thereafter is is relative to those states and how you interact in those is completely up to you. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the way I see it and how that works in business for people who are thinking, yeah, but what does this have to do with business? Take it this way. Imagine you knew you were going to meet someone six months from now. You're going to an event. You're like, I'm going to go to traffic and conversions or funnel hacking or just a local networking event. How you show up in that moment will impact you to the next decision that you make. So. Mm-hmm make that moment that you decide to show up on purpose rather than accidental and reactionary. Yeah. So that's I love I that. Do. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I, cause I, I totally wholeheartedly believe that. I think that you have choices every day. You have choices to stay in a mindset. You have choices to shake it off. Um, I don't believe anybody can do anything to you or make you feel anyway. It's your choice to stay that way. Um, emotions, you know, come and it's your choice to let it go or, or lean into it. Um, and so I, I absolutely, I love that. That's good. That's good stuff. I like it. I mean, that's the way I just like approach life now because it never used to be that way. It was always kind of like, I wonder what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, you know, I can't, I, I don't like living in a reactionary world, but what I will say yeah. that has happened to me, uh, in the last couple of years, that's been very, very powerful, especially the last couple of months is being able to feel and actually express like if someone's uh, someone's angered me, I don't. I used to do this thing where I'd be like, "Oh, it's not so bad. You know, calm it down, play it off, mm-hmm. and just be hurt yeah. on the inside." Now it's kind of like, "No, you've actually really annoyed me," and I'll just let my anger go to the full force, and be like, "Okay, we're calm. We're back to it again." And trust me, there are times where uh, I think one of my friends has seen me so angry that like, Adel, I think you were actually going to kill that person." I was like, <laughs> "I had every intention to. I even <laughs> said I was going to kill him," and they're like. But isn't that a little bit dangerous? Like, no, because this person knows me. That their response was, um, okay, that's fine, go for it. And yeah. because of that, it just completely it was like, thank you for allowing me to have this moment to express myself. And now I can apologize and tell you why I'm annoyed at you and how we can constructively build this back up. And if you're annoyed at me, feel free to throw that back at me because it's not going to make me angry. Um, it's just now we have clear, you've cleared the air, so to say. Yeah. Um, and one of my favorite questions to ask on the show is one of the favorite questions of all time is if you were to recommend three books, not the one that you recommended earlier, because that doesn't, that's already recommended. We need three okay. books, but there are parameters. Three books that massively impacted your life, but here are the parameters. Two of them have to be nonfiction, and the third has to be either a fictional book or a movie that positively impacted your life. What would they be? Oh, hell. Okay. So, <laughs> um, the nonfiction is uh, Big Magic. And um, the one thing, and then let's why, see. What? Who wrote the big magic, and why the big magic? 
Big magic is oh, hold, please. I'll tell you. I have it actually up on my phone. I was just taking a picture of the. Um, let's see. I can't remember who wrote it. Why can't I remember who wrote it? You stumped me. Oh my god, this is brilliant! <laughs> Aha, got her. <laughs> you got me. Uh, it's oh, not well. magic of thinking big, is it? No, it's big magic. It's by um. Z oh. Uh, it's a Elizabeth woman. Elizabeth Gilbert? Yes. Hold yeah, on. I need to no. Google that. Yeah. Big Magic. Great book. Um, the Discovery of Witches is one of my favorite fiction books. Ooh. It's a whole series. It's a whole series. And I got like super addicted for a minute. Um, but it was, it was, I don't know. I loved it. I think that, um, you know, when you when you're going through something, you you like pull things to you that connect with you at that time, and it was crazy, it was ridiculous, but I loved it. I loved every every book. Sometimes you have to read ridiculous things. Like, um, if I I think I've given this recommendation to everyone, but do you like uh, crime novels at all? Or do I do. You... Yeah. Have you ever heard of Chris Carter? Uh uh. Oh my God, you gotta read him. That's all I'm yeah. gonna say. He has several books. The more the more recent books, I've not really loved as much. I mean, they're good. Yeah. But comparatively. And there is a very, very good reason. So how are you? I'm not going to give you any spoilers, but like, uh, how are you with like knowing synopses of books? Are you okay with that? Or are you like, no, don't tell me a thing I need to understand. No, no, I, li I like it. I'm fine with that. Cool. So the first book I'd recommend is reading a book called The Crucifix Killer. Mm -hmm. And I actually give this to all my copywriting students as their homework to read. And they're like, why? I'm like, because when I first read this book, I wasn't into reading fiction. I'd read the Harry Potter books, the, the Lord of the Rings books, a few like books from my childhood. I was like, eh, I like those, they're fun, you know, find new theories. Mm -hmm. you, you like what you like, but I was like, I'll read this book on a recommendation from another friend. Uh, I actually got to the point where I read that book in 48 to 72 hours, like oh, wow. cover to cover, couldn't, couldn't put it down. It was such a gripping book. Um, and the whole story is that it's based in LA and Chris Carter actually was a, uh, forensic, not forensic. He was a, um, he, he interviewed uh, serial killers. He was mm. the psychologist at the LAPD. Um, is that a show on Netflix? There's no. a show on, there's a the show alienist. on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, okay, no, never mind. That, Sorry. that's not it, but it was, it's, it's, I, I know which one you're on about because I'm yeah, about yeah. to watch that as well. It's on yeah. my watch list. Yeah, oh, it's good. Yeah. Oh. Thank you for, for the recommendation confirming it is. It's, uh, it's going to be great. But Chris Carter basically did this whole thing where he was a criminologist. That's the actual word, not criminal psychologist at all. It's criminologist. Um, where he, or criminal psychologist, maybe it is. But anyway, he ended up uh, writing stories based not just on his time, but from case files that he saw. And the crucifix killer, what I love about it is it takes place with like a predestined character notion so there's not like you don't have to build them from the ground up and show their struggle it's very much like they're already established and now mm -hmm. you get to see the evolution of what and you get tidbits on their backstory yeah um but the crucifix killer was good it's it's gruesome it is gruesome i think the synopsis read something like a woman is found um strung up with her arms on either side so the, the visual was that her arms were either side of her on a bed post and her face had been surgically removed uh, oh, and there was like a, a there was a glass of vinegar, like a jar of vinegar, not too far away from her. Um, so all the vapors would go into the dead open muscles to keep any flies ah. and stuff eating away. So she would be tortured until she died. 
Oh, um, God. And that's the opening. Yeah. Like, that's like the synopsis. Oh, You're like, oh, my God, this is ultra violent. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm so entertained by this. Um, but yeah, these are the books I'd recommend people read because they're just great for storytelling. Uh, and yeah. the reason they impacted me was really understanding how people, what what gets people addicted to read. Right. Because um, if I was addicted to it, why? No one would ask me to that. So my, this, I guess this leads to, uh, doesn't lead to my next question. It's just something I wanted to recommend to you. Yeah. But my favorite question on this show is when you were going through probably like, I want you to think of a time where you were knocked on your ass by life, like it had hit you so hard that you were basically down on the mat. That could be taken out of context, but down, down the fighting mat. Um, <laughs> and the referee of life is counting to 10 and he's on nine and you get right back up. What mm. was it that you did to get right back up? What drove you to get back up? Mm. You know, there's been many times where I've been like on the mat and you know, feeling like I don't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get up this time. It's, you know, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and, you know, call it. But I think for me, what got me the last big thing that I was just so broken, right? In a place where there was no hiding it. Everybody knew I was a complete mess. You know, there was, you get to this place sometimes when you're so broke, it's your rock bottom and everybody knows that you're there. Um, I was in that place and, you know, people talk to you and they turn their head sideways and put their hand on your heart. I was that girl. Um, but I decided that I wasn't, that I was meant for more, you know, that I, this wasn't my stopping place that I, there had to be more, there had to be more for me because ever since I was a kid, I, I just felt like I didn't belong, that there was something bigger. And, um, at that moment I tapped back into that kind of um, that spark inside of me and said, no, you know, there's got to be more for me. There's got to be something um, that I'm meant to do. I don't know what that is, but I know that it's not this, you know, I'm not going to just lay here and throw my hands up because that's not who I am. And um, I got up and I stopped looking out and I started looking in. I stopped blaming and I took full responsibility and I, I conquered myself really. That's incredible. And I'm glad that you actually share that vulnerability because again, not many people are willing to, especially when, yeah. and, and it's funny when you hit that uh, quote unquote rock bottom and everyone can see it. It's really kind of the time where I believe that you have your best friends show up and yeah. they're like, hey, we got you. This is fine. And it's kind of funny. I'm just going to completely sidetrack for a second. It's kind of funny because I had this thought today, earlier today, I was going to post it on Facebook. I was like, Actually, that wouldn't be a post I would post on Facebook right now, but I think my friends would understand. And it's this idea of, I want to get to the point in my life where you can give amazing birthday gifts to people. Like, hey, you're an artist, you're starting out. Guess what? Here's a brand new MacBook with all the stuff that you need. Go, that's your birthday gift. Or here's this other thing that you want. Go get it. Or experience days that you, they're just like specifically for them, they're tailored for them. Though that's kind of the area that I want to get to. And I believe that having that drive mentally actually is what helps me sometimes get out of rock bottom. But it's having those friends around you that can see you and pull you up is always helpful. Um, sorry, I'm just hijacking your story right now. It's no, just, no, that's it's... good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and finally, I really just want to ask more on this on this front, which was um, the idea towards if you were to give three pieces of advice to, and usually I give this, I ask for this piece of advice for very specific markets, but I'm gonna go ahead and like broaden it out and change it completely because it's you. Um, if you were to give three pieces of advice to the entrepreneur's wife 
the, or mm-hmm. the spouse of an entrepreneur, um, mm-hmm. the advice that you'd give to the entrepreneur themselves. Um, and finally, to the couple that are struggling, they're both entrepreneurs. So those mm-hmm. three markets, what three pieces of advice would you give them in the realms of business, relationships, and communication? Mm. So for the entrepreneur's wife, for business, um, is get on board with the end game. Like, what does the end game look like? What is that vision? And stop saying that it's his business and say it's the family's business. Because when you create that separation of it's his thing, it's his business, then you take yourself out of something that's so important to him. Um, And so get on board, dream together, um, know what the business is about. If someone said, what does your husband do for a living? Be able to speak it like it's something that you work every day. So that is on the business side. And what was the other two? Remind me. Okay, so you got the business entrepreneur, like the entrepreneur's wife that's there. Then you have mm-hmm. the entrepreneur themselves and how they can communicate what it is to their spouse. Okay, so with the entrepreneur, um, I think for the entrepreneur, a lot of times, and with good intention, the entrepreneur says, sit here, babe, I'm going to go build this, and then I'm going to come back and get you, and it's going to be amazing. But what you have to realize is that that doesn't work because you get on top of the mountain, and you look, and she's no longer there because she was she ended up being, you know, hurt in the process. And so to realize that she's climbing the mountain with you, Um, She might not always be right beside you. She may be further behind you than you'd like, but she's always with you. And to make her part of the climb and give her credit um, for doing her part is uh, what I would give advice to the entrepreneur. And then for the couple is you're on the same team. It's not you against each other. It's you against the world. And that if you make your intentions known in the beginning and you set your purpose in the beginning together um, and go back to that when things get really shaky, you'll kind of, you'll always kind of reconnect and center yourself back to a place where you can move forward past anything. Because if you're uncertain of where you're going and there's uncertainty, then it creates like chaos and uh, fear. And if you're always going back to a place where you know that each of you believe then you can um, you can move forward with with confidence. I love that. That is actually very powerful advice, um, especially with communications between people and how you can get them to go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that's amazing, guys. Thank you. Uh, um, first of all, thank you, Amy, for actually taking the time for being here and sharing and being so open with me. I mean, I love the fact that we just got to like have full on chat as we usually do on the show. Um, but it's always a two way tango. Like I'll be open, but sometimes you don't get it back. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that you actually jumped in as my dance partner for this one and we managed to go through the way we did um guys go check out all the recommendations and books that amy has recommended there are links on adelamarcy.com forward slash podcast hyphen amy hyphen stephanie uh, stephanic I, I cannot say his Steph- name stephanic stephanic <laughs> stephanic how much why do i have a hard time saying this so i you know what's really weird i've said your husband's and your surname to my friends before and like perfectly but now yeah. i'm on the show i'm like yeah i'll just stutter this out and not make it look good but <laughs> okay. uh, amy hyphen s-t-e-f-a-n-i-k uh mm-hmm. go check that out there are going to be links in the description and as i would always suggest go read uh, theentrepreneurswife.com get it on her mailing list because there is some great content on there i'm on her mailing list i'm not a wife but it's always good to know what's being put out there so i know how to communicate to both sides when i'm there 
Uh, Amy, any parting words that you want to leave for the show? No, yeah, just thank you. Thank you for having me. I think it's great to connect with people and, and build relationships. I think that's what it's all about, right? So I appreciate uh, you sharing space with me. Oh, glad to have you on board. Guys, go check it out. And as always, I will see you on the next episode and soon to be next season. Take care, guys. Bye.